44 is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's the Citizen 44 Show with your guest host, Rich Race. Everybody, put your hands together for Rich Race. How you doing out there? It's great to be here on my favorite show. I never miss an episode, but I love this show. I'm so happy to be on Citizen 34. I'm overwhelmed here. I'm, I'm so nervous. I heard there's 20 million listeners, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really nervous. Brad Pitt was on last week. I just hope I can I hope I can follow him. And I love you, random citizen. Anyway, your your host, your regular host Mark Aaronsberg, he he's out today and uh, actually he's doing an interview on a podcast. Strangely enough. And uh, I hope he's doing well over there. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to bring on my first guest. Mark Aaronsberg. What are you Chuck Barris with the clapping? What is this the Gong show? Thanks for inviting me to be on your show Citizen 34. Yeah, I'm, uh, I decided to set in today and give you the day off. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. It's 10-11 at night here in Saigon, Vietnam. What are you doing on your night off? I'm talking to you. I was going to watch a movie, but then you said, why don't we do a show together? I was going to watch a, a Woody Allen movie. I started watching, uh, which one was that, uh, with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm. Now, in that movie, is he a pedophile? It's amazing how many messed up people there are who do incredible things, but are just not really good at being people. Is it true that Ben Franklin used to like to do cocaine off of hookers' asses? What is the deal here? This is a show about nothing. So we go into NBC, we tell them we got an idea for a show about nothing. Exactly. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I watched Seinfeld last night. It's the final episode of season three. It was a two-parter where Jerry took back Kramer's keys. Oh, yeah! Pretty funny antics. Season three was kind of breakout because they went and did these locations on Ventura Boulevard. That's because they used to shoot right there at uh, CBS Studios. I'm sorry, I never went to a taping of the show. You know, I never did either, and it was right down the street from my place. I, I never did, but I did do two concerts on that lot in the year 2000, and I did a fundraiser there for a children's charity, and I had Glenn Campbell as my headliner. Like a rhinestone cowboy. Glenn Campbell, Ambrosia, Al Stewart, Stephen Bishop, you know, some of the pals I invited down, and uh, yeah, it was cool. Wow, that's a big show. Did you ever hang out at Jerry's Deli? Yeah. I see you've moved into a new pad. Yeah. Here's the real story. Four or five months ago, my landlord, Mr. Lin, who owns Luna Sushi, said he didn't want me flushing toilet paper down the toilet. They use what's called a bum gun here in Asia. 
It's a hose with a nozzle, and that's what you clean your butthole with. And it actually is far more hygienic than the whole paper thing, but I'm not good with it, and I just fucking spray shit everywhere, and I would just have to take a shower every time I took a shit. So I've been using toilet paper like a good American, and uh, the toilet clogged about a week ago. And it never clogged before, and he got a little upset about it and said, no more toilet paper in the toilet. I said, you know, I got to move. I'm not bum-gunning myself. I've never heard that before. So I decided this was opportunity during this three-month lockdown, stuck in a 10-by-12-foot room, working on my bed, and uh, I finally said, that's it, man. I got to go. So I started looking for a new place, and I found this studio with a kitchen, a nice bathroom, a king-size bed, and I feel I've paid my dues. It looks like a really nice place. Do you ever miss being in Ashland? Because obviously that's where we met and spent a lot of years there. I gotta be honest with you, Rich. Wherever I am, that's where I am. I don't miss anything. I'm not nostalgic. I have a, a great relationship with my children that's long distance. I've got a great relationship with you that's long distance. My father, my friend Robbie, like a handful of people. I'm very happy where I'm at. I'm still super stoked for the the life-changing decision that I made. And uh, there's no looking back for me, man. So you're there until you're not. Yeah. This experience is just getting better and better as, as time goes along. And upgrading my living situation is really making a big difference. I'm in a new neighborhood. There's new restaurants, new places to have coffee, new grocery stores, all new. So lockdown was lifted this week that I chose to move. My timing, as you know, with everything is impeccable. So I'm back on the street, got my motorbike going out there and I'm walking around every day. Yeah, it's really great. The city's slowly coming back to life. I was thinking the other day, I remember that time when you uh, left Ashland and you moved over to uh, Moscow, Idaho. Pretty cool place. But I heard that the city actually, uh, I actually heard they asked you to leave. Is that true? Well, no. What happened was I went there to work remotely with my friend Darren. We were recruiting for Apple and it was a great gig, really great gig. But I had to move into this college housing project and uh, I had to have a couple of roommates and I was good with all that. But before I moved in, they failed to disclose a couple things. One is the guy that was living in my room before me uh, killed himself, died in his room. They never mentioned this minute detail. And then they also didn't mention that the knuckleheads above me had some big dogs that like to run around all day and at night. So it became a bit of a confrontational thing. So they didn't ask me to leave. I actually snuck out like I did in one of my San Francisco apartments in the middle of the night to get out of my lease. Except I didn't have to do it in the middle of the night. I did it in the middle of the day. I just grabbed all my shit and I left. And then I found myself an attorney who would write a letter for free and told them your lack of disclosure nullifies your agreement with me. You can go fuck yourself. I'm not giving you any money and let's just call it a day. And it worked out. I didn't have to pony up any money and they gave up on me. And same thing happened in San Francisco because the guy was ripping people off. And I, I told him, I have no problem taking it to court. So I got out of two apartments by just bailing, but having the law a little bit on my side. So that's what happened in Moscow. Moscow was a really interesting short-term experience. It was only a couple of months. I got out of a lease once in Seattle by the same thing. Middle of the night, I got a truck and I loaded up and I was leaving. And the landlord, <laughs> the landlord was outside. He's like, 
hey, where are you going? We need to talk. And there's a big moving truck I was getting into. And I said, oh, hold on a second. I just got to grab something. Spent six months in that dreary piece of shit city of Seattle. That was fun. When you were in Moscow, did you get a chance to visit the Kremlin? Did I what? Learn Russian? No, it's a, it's Moscow, actually. They don't pronounce it Moscow. Moscow, Idaho. Moscow, Idaho. Oh, that reminds me. Sorry, we have to take a commercial break. Citizen 44 is sponsored by the all-new Chevy Suburban, the vehicle of choice for Mexicans, fat people, and assholes. The Chevy Suburban. Okay, we're back. Hey, Mark, anyway, what do you think about Corvettes? They're kind of slick, right? I've always been a big fan of the Corvette. Almost all years, too. I mean, I like the older the older Stingrays, but I think it's a badass car. It's, it's some of the best muscle car that America's ever made. I think it'd be fun to have a convertible. I'd like to, I'd like to drive around with the top down. Of course, you know, with the V8 and everything and with, uh, you know, with gas running out, probably won't be able to drive it forever, but uh, who knows? Maybe I can get a conversion and make it electric. I don't know. An electric Corvette Stingray? Speaking of the environment, when you were in Ashland, you went plant-based. I'd like to think that maybe I helped inspire that, you know, when you were living at my place, because we were eating all plant-based. And uh, I noticed you were, you know, you were feeling pretty good. You're feeling better. How are you doing with that? Are you still eating mostly plant-based? I was plant-based before you. I don't know if you remember my very tall, red-headed, heavy-footed roommate, Benjamin. Do you remember Benjamin? I don't remember Benjamin. He was my first vegan experience, and he's the one who actually converted me before you. Okay. All right. Even taught me how to make uh, homemade kimchi, and it did change my life for sure. I became a raw vegan for six months. I was trim. I was feeling good. I would carry nuts and berries, eating apples off of trees. I would walk everywhere. Wow. That's when I gave up my phone and my car for three years, my cell phone and my car. That was all happening at one time. Vegan, no car, no cell phone. And I continued to do that because once you stop eating animals, it's hard to go back to that. So many years later, of course, I meet you and then uh, you're that. And then we end up living together. And that was a fantastic living and eating situation where I learned how to make the dressing that I now make here for myself here in Saigon. But I did have a lapse. I wasn't eating meat, but I did have a lapse here. And I'm back with this girl. She's this fantastic cook. And she slowly got me eating seafood. And I'm not doing that anymore. I heard you were on a seafood diet. You see food and you eat it. Thank you, Henny Youngman. I was eating seafood and some fish. And uh, I didn't feel well. Maybe a month ago, I was having some back pains. And usually if I have any physical discomfort, if I go for a walk, boom, it's over, it's gone. Walking is the cure-all for just about everything, for me anyway. And I was walking, and it wasn't helping. And I was having pains in my lower back, then it would move to my upper back. And then I realized there was a connection between my inguinal hernia down by my business there and the pain in my back. And so I said, yeah, fuck this, man. I need to just get on my vegan diet again and see if I need to drop a few LBs and, and just get cleaned up. And you know what? Within two weeks of me going back on a vegan diet, all my pain went away. All the symptoms of whatever it was subsided and they have not returned. So food and your both physical and mental health, they are 100% connected. And I am living proof of that a few times. And I can tell you that nutrition is the key to physical health. There's no question about it in my mind. And I proved it to myself, even though I questioned 
the validity. And I've read medical studies, you know, a hernia cannot be cured without surgery. And that's true. It's something that requires mending. But to exacerbate the problem, to add compounded problems on top of that by eating poorly, which I just was not eating healthy enough. Now that I'm eating healthy enough, I don't I don't have the problems. They say you can't cure diabetes and lupus and all these things too, but you absolutely can. For sure. That's not a hole in your body. I literally have three holes in my body and by my poor eating habits, and they're not horrible, but by not having a super clean diet, I was just adding additional pressure down there and even a little bit of extra weight. And my body was screaming at me going, dude, you know what to do. Just fucking do it. And I finally heard the words I needed to hear because our bodies speak very clearly when they're not comfortable and they will communicate with you very well if you're paying attention. Most people just don't listen and they don't even know. You can't punish people for not knowing. We don't tell people anything of importance to help them manage their own lives and navigate through challenges. But uh, there was no excuse for me. So I just did what I needed to do. And uh, and I, I'm just telling you flat out, change your diet, change your life. And that's a fact. And I've said it on many of my shows. And I'll say it a thousand more times before I'm dead, unless I'm dead after this show. I was concerned about you that time I walked in to the bathroom and you're eating a beef wellington on the toilet. Why should I have to go all the way from my bed into the bathroom when I can eat it on the toilet? And speaking of beef wellington, let's take a quick commercial break. New from Swanson, it's beef wellington pops. Finally, you can eat like the royal family and enjoy beef wellington any time of day, anywhere you go, while driving, at the movies, on a bike ride, and even at the beach. Three savory gravies for dipping, plain, mushroom, and extra saucy. Beef Wellington, it's what's for dinner. Boss Monson. Mark, it's a meal fit for a king. Here, king. I started working at a bakery part-time. Seriously? Yeah, there's a bakery up the road. This guy, David, that I met, he learned to bake bread from Tartine. You know, Tartine in uh, San Francisco, the bread place. He was a bread master. And so now he's at a bakery up the road with his wife... I was going in there with Zach and Dylan and eating lunch and stuff. We started talking. He's like, God, I wish we could bring someone in, you know, like an apprentice to learn bread. And I said, I said, dude, I'm trying to teach myself how to bake bread and I got lots of free time. Why don't I come in? I went in twice this week and it was, it was fun. This is a tie-in from the last show you were on when you said you had the book, the tartine and you're growing sourdough starters. And this thing has gone into you actually working at a bakery a couple days a week. I put in seven hours this week, man. I'm learning how to make pastries and bread and croissants. I didn't know, I don't know how to bake, but I'm learning how to bake for fun. Wow, how exciting for you. When I open my cafe, I won't have to outsource bread. I can make my own fresh bread and it's gonna be fantastic. I've been doing juicing again. I got a juicer, cold press juicer, and uh, every morning I start my day with a juice now and I forgot how life-changing that is. Starting your day on an empty stomach with juice is like amazing. Thank you for that. And you know what? Now that I have a kitchen, I can buy a blender and I'm gonna juice celery and some fruit and some apple cider vinegar and just make a simple get started in the morning thing. Another thing I've found that's really, really healthy is making sure you get out and walk on the earth every day. Earthing, you know, it's called earthing. It's a simple thing. You just get out and you ground into the earth. To the Remember when we were out in my backyard on the grass? I'd like to go out every day and just ground in. Yeah. 
I forgot how life-changing that is. It uh, reduces inflammation and it, it connects you to the earth and, and all kinds of healing benefits come from it. The most important part is you do it barefoot. You need to take off your shoes. Right. You know, they say that one of the most harmful inventions mankind has ever created was the shoe, the modern shoe, because everyone's lost their connection with the earth by this layer of plastic or rubber that does not conduct electricity with the, with the ions in the earth. And, and people are so disconnected. And it's one of the reasons why we're so unhealthy, along with the food. Yeah. So uh, I was going to ask you, um, when you first started going to, I don't remember, was I living in Ashland when you first started going over to Asia? You went to Thailand. I think that was around... 2016 is when I went to Thailand. Wow. Now, when you were there, you did get infected with yellow fever, I heard. Well, I almost got married twice, so if that's what you're referring to, yes. (laughs) I've heard you got the yellow fever. And uh, I've got the quote right here. I have yellow fever and I ain't going back to white girls. Is that true? I have a spec, if you will, a preference for the uh, Asian women. Yes. Hence, I am in Saigon and I have a spectacular Vietnamese girlfriend. First of all, look, these people are all my size. I literally belong here. I even watch Asian porn. I'm not interested in Caucasian women at all. You're kind of like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. You're the guy that got left behind in the Asian village, remember? Did you ever see that movie? Yeah, a few times. He didn't go back to America and he became one of them. But he was an evil guy. He was to be assassinated, right? Right. Martin Sheen, wasn't that his mission to go in and kill whatever his character name was? Right. Hey, we have another guest who just showed up in studio to say hello. Oh, who's there? Well, he was on one of your first shows. I think he spoke to your mother for a minute. Igor from the Ukraine. Igor! Kepaso, man. What's happening? Oh, not too much, buddy. I was just I was just passing through Tennessee on my way to uh, Bulgaria, and I just wanted to say hello. Is that on the way to Bulgaria? Well, I got on this airplane, and 47 hours later, this is where I, I ended up. And I'm sure Rich was super happy to see you and uh, put you up for a couple of days, right? He couldn't be happier, I don't think. Uh, he put me out in the in the garage. Sounds about right. You've become a very politically incorrect person later in life, haven't you? Well, is this just kind of like, fuck it? You're over 50 now, right? Over 50 and just fuck it? Is that the deal? It's just more fun. The older you get, the less fuck you give, I guess, is what they say, right? Yeah. My priorities now are uh, potato chips. That's my drug of choice now. And speaking of potato chips, let's take a quick commercial break. Whenever I'm in Asia, I always stock up on kimchi flavored crinkle cuts by Ruffles. It has all the flavors of the Orient with extra MSG. Ruffles, crinkle cut, kimchi style. Norm MacDonald died. Did you know that? Of course I know that. Did you ever see his show, The Norm Show? Yeah, I remember it. I never knew anything about it. I just watched the first season. I absolutely loved it. I just started watching the second season. I can't watch anymore because it's just, it's no good. The first season was like the first season of Curb, a perfect show. Remember when Saturday Night Live was going in the early 90s and the OJ trials were going on and he kept saying OJ's guilty? Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but Norm MacDonald was told by the head of NBC to stop doing it. He got fired for that, but that's not what he was told. He was called on the phone by Don Omeyer. Don Omeyer was the president of NBC at the time, who David Letterman said was an idiot on the show with Norm when Norm came on and told Dave that he was just fired from Weekend Update 
And the excuse he gave Norm for firing him was he said he wasn't funny. It was about a year and a half later that Norm Michaels asked Norm to come back on and host the show. And I don't know if you saw the opening monologue where he goes through the whole monologue and towards the end of the monologue, he says, you know, it's so interesting that I got fired from this show because I was told I wasn't funny. And it seems, you know, like impossible that in a year and a half, all of a sudden I would be so funny now. So it must be that this show just sucks. I'm not doing it justice. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Nobody could do Norm like Norm. But uh, he was a magnificent comedian, unlike anybody else. A risk taker, and he was not politically correct, and he didn't cave to politics. I saw this little uh, blur from last year. I don't know if you saw that when he was talking on the phone, I think to Roseanne Barr or something. He was talking about the virus that just came out. He's like, oh, he's like, I'm not eating bats anymore. I'm eating the new impossible bat. It tastes like bat. (laughs) He was this guy who was completely unpredictable, but a guaranteed laugh. And if you ever want to see him really in rare form, on Conan, he does my son Sam's favorite joke, which is a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. He concealed his illness for almost a decade. And what a genius for doing that, because he would have ruined his career. He was such a fucking smart guy for not telling people and going down and going out the way he wanted to. He was truly a stoic human being, wasn't he? Which I admire. For sure. You and I were alive at the right time between the 60s and the 90s. Everything happened then. And he was part of that for me with Saturday Night Live. And now we live in a fucking piece of shit, fucking sewer pipe, garbage can world. But... At least we had some good times. I am grateful for the time when I was born till now, man. I mean, my children, they only know what they know. They don't know what was. There's no nostalgia for them. And I don't have any nostalgia. I just remember you and I could listen to a song for the first time at the same time on like AM radio. And the whole world heard the one song at one time through a shitty little radio. And it was the greatest thing because you never heard anything like it, whether it was Boston's first album, whatever it was, You heard some kind of guitar riff, some kind of drum beat, some kind of synthesizer. There was nothing like it. And now everything is just underwater. It's garbage. You know, those songs were life changing. I saw Star Wars at a drive-in movie theater with one of those metal box speakers that hung over the window. And we were thrilled. There was no phone. There were no distractions. I rode my bike every day and we played hide and go seek and ding dong ditch and, and football in the street and... Mark, come in, time for dinner. Fuck you, mom, I'm busy having fun, being a child. Best times ever. Yeah, so I saw that Curb Your Enthusiasm's coming back this month, is that true? Yeah, do you know who's not gonna be in the show? Well, I know that Richard Lewis is sick and Super Dave died, so Bob Einstein wasn't in the last season anyway, but uh, yeah, we don't have Richard Lewis or Bob Einstein. Do you know who Bob Einstein's brother is? Yeah, Albert Einstein. Albert Brooks, yeah, can you believe that? Yeah, well listen. It was fun shooting the shit for a while. Thanks for being on my show. I got to run. I'm going to go for a drive in the country today. And uh, that's about it. Good chat. Good chat. This show is sponsored by Small Portions Cafe. The book by Douglas Fergus. Doug is a very close friend of mine. And he sent it all the way from the States so I could have my own personal signed copy. And I got to tell you, 
It's one of the most uniquely entertaining, silly, funny, interesting compilation of short stories I've ever read. Check out Small Portions Cafe. It's available both as a Kindle and a softcover book. Small Portions Cafe on Amazon. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. Additional music for today's show provided by RobbieLindauer.com. Thanks, Robbie.